Okay, so we're on to the caches of the Malbim. He asks a total of 14 caches, which serve as a um, introduction to the way that he's going to break down the structure of the Haggadah. Point of introduction is a machlokes, which is going to be important for us to know to understand the kashas. There is a machlokes between Rav and Shmuel in regard to the understanding of the Mishnah in Arve Psochim, the Gemara Psochim. The Mishnah says that one of the chiyuvim of the Haggadah is maschil bignus umesayim b'shvach. You have to begin with discussing the lowliness of Klal Yisrael, and you have to conclude with discuss, <coughs> discussing their praise. And in regard to what that means, there's a machlik is Rav and Shmuel. Rav holds that the, the gnus that you're referring to is that Avram's ancestors, Terach, were oived avodah And therefore, the, the point of the gnus that you're discussing is the fact that Klal Yisrael stems from oived avodah Avram Avinu was born into a family of Oyudah Vodah and that's the Maskil Buganus. And of course, the Messiah B'Shemach is Klai Yisrael as a free nation who are Oyudah Hashem. Shmuel argues, and he says, the Maskil Buganus is um, the fact that we are Vodim to Parilim B'Mitzrayim. And that's the degrading point. And the conclusion is that we were B'nai Chori, that we were set free. So there's a machlaik is about what is maschil b'gnus m'sayim b'shvach. The pashtas means as follows, that according to Shmuel's nusach ha'agada, you should say, avodim ayinu, and there's no point in saying, according to Rav's nusach ha'agada, you'll say, but there's no point to avodim ayinu. So based on that understanding of the machlaik is the Malbim's going to have a series of kashas in terms of, first of all, what is the Seder of the Haggadah, and secondly, it's not clear how we affect the Psak in regard to the Smachlaikas. Says the Malbim. Aleph. Lefi Seder as Manim, ha Mishpat lahakti Marmar Mitchilas Avodimayinu. So if we look at the Haggadah, the first paragraph in the Haggadah is Avodimayinu. Then the Agoda goes on to Maisebe Rebeleza, it goes on to Rebeleza Nazaria, it goes on to Baruch HaMokim, it goes on to the Four Sons, it goes on to, we may have thought it from Rosh Chodesh. And then it says, Mitchilo Oivda Avodazari Oviseinu. So we're talking about four or five paragraphs later, we discuss Oivda Avodazari Oviseinu, but prior to that we say Avodimayinu. Now it says the Malbim, if we say there as manim, if you're thinking about it chronologically, ha mishpat lahakti mamar mitchila oivda vazor lamama avadimayinu. You'd put the um, paragraph discussing the fact that we, in the inception of Klai Yisrael, we were oivda vazor prior to avadimayinu. Just a small toisefus nakuda on this maskil bgnus of Messiah Bishvach, which I think is just an havana in the Etzem Zach. Um, Rav Lecht has recently brought out Agada, uh, and he gives a very clear rendition of what the Gnus exactly is and what's the Shvach. He says they are um, the process of Klai Yisrael being redeemed from Mitzrayim wasn't a process of a nation that gets freed. It was the creation of a new nation. 
something which wasn't there came into being. Now, there's two points. There are two points in the history of the Jewish people where they were so-called created from ayin liyesh, from nothing to something. The ultimate lack of reality, the ultimate illusion, which defeats the essence of what the reality is all about. Anti-reality is avodah zarah, that you ascribe the reality to forces which really have no dominion whatsoever. It's the ultimate dream, the ultimate illusion. So if you describe someone as Oivda Avodah the person who is an Oivda Avodah he has no mitzias. He has no long-term reality. He's part of a fad, of a fashion, which will disappear. And his entire belief system that he committed his life to is, is, just, is just nothing. It has no, it has no, has no hold in reality. It's a, it's a lot of nonsense. So a person who is an Oivda Avodah he has no mitzias. So you see, the first creation of Klal Yisrael was with Avis, and Avram was the first one, and Avram came from nothing, from an anti-Metzius to a Metzius. That's Mitchila Oivda Avodah Zorah Hoyavisenu. That before we were nothing. In other words, the whole theme of that Goda is how Klal Yisrael became something. They became a reality. So the Gnus is we weren't anything. There was no there was no Jewish people because the person Oivda Avodah Zorah doesn't exist in the real sense of the world word. So the first point of that creation is Avram Avinu went from Kilu, base, Oivda Avodah to Avram Avinu, Amamin. So that's the first step where a nation was founded. The second step where the nation was founded was in Mitzrayim. An Eved, the nature of an Eved is he's completely subservient to his Adon. He has no, he has no independence. He has no, he has no independent existence. He's a function, a utility of his master. In other words, another way of having no Metzias is being an Eved. So the other time where Kaisal had no Metzias is when, we, when they were avodim to Mitzrayim. They didn't have their own reality. They were just, they were absolutely at the disposal of others. So they didn't have any existence. And hence, the second point where Kaisal, on a more macro scale, become a nation is Yetzirah Mitzrayim. So the, the Machloikas between Rav and Shmuel, is what's the essential mo- movement from non-existence to existence. Is it the movement from to Ma'aminim? Or is it the movement from Bitul, because they are Vodim, to Metzius, because they are B'nai Chorin? That's the Chora, the Gnus and the Shvach of Mitzrayim and Oivda Good? It's just an additional point, yes. Um, being Ovdei Avodazara sounds like it's more of a choice than being an Ebed. True. Uh, what would be more disgraceful for somebody to do something that he that is looked down upon by others? Or it's disgraceful to just be a slave? So you see, the, the disgrace of yeah is not based on what people did and how they got there. It's based on what the reality of their situation was. A situation of being an Ovda Vodazara, forgetting the causes and the effects, is a situation of a non-reality. The existence of being an Evid is a non-reality. In other words, the Gnus is when a person has no Atzmius. He has no essential reality. That's a Gnus. And both cases are different types of no reality. So, says the says the Malbim, therefore, if you really want to speak, for, speak from a chronological perspective, 
So what you want to do is you want to start off by saying, well, first, the nation began with Avram Avinu that was rescued by Kosh from base Oiv Da'avod And then you can speak about the latter stage of the development. So from a historical perspective of how Klaishal developed, it's pertinent to discuss Avram Avinu and then only afterwards Avodim Ha'inu Lefarabim Mitzrayim. Yet the order of that God is opposite. We start off with Avodim Ha'inu and later on we progress on to So the order makes no sense. Continues in Malbim. Ki mitkhilo because the discussion of Avram in terms of the historical perspective was way before the descent into Mitzrayim. And then the actual order of that God would work out perfectly. The last sentence of the paragraph which discusses that we are Avodah Zorah Conclude with the statement, and Yaakov and his children went down into Mitzrayim. And therefore it would be a perfect link to saying, and then they became Avadim. So in other words, in terms of placement, to shift the paragraph of Avadim Ayinu later on would work perfectly from all perspectives. So why do we leave it at the beginning of that Goda? Everything would have been good. The, con- the continuation would be good and kind. Um... If it would be close and connected to the previous paragraph, we could go on to Parabim The head of this would meet the heel of that. It would be perfectly aligned. Which this one concluded with, this one will begin. Um, and what is the reasoning of Shmuel that says that the Gnus we begin with is Avadim Hayinu and argues with Rav that says it's Avadim Zorah. V'inayim be'emet Shmuel asil ha'fluga al-guvah de'uvda sh'loi le'emor piska mitchila o'vda avadim Zorah klal if you say that Shmuel is coming to argue and say that you should actually delete from your Haggadah mitchila o'vda avadim Zorah yovisainu and this is indeed the implication from the Rif and the Rosh and others. They say that the way we have our Nusach HaGodah is we paskanak both Rav and Shmuel. So the implication is that Shmuel would taka delete the paragraph of Oiv Davod Zorayu from his Agoda. Mashma t'lechad minayayin that means, according to one of the above, either Rav or Shmuel, you'd only say one of the paragraphs, but we just go like both of them. Therefore, according to Shmuel, this Mitchila would not be there. Okay, this word is uh, a mystery. Um... So in other words, therefore, according to Shmuel, there's no problem. There's no, uh, there's, oh, there's no situation 
of changing around the times. In other words, if you pass Kanak Shmuel, so since there's no Mitchil Avodazar, you have saying so therefore the placing the first paragraph first as opposed to later on is perfectly okay because there is no later on. But according to us, that we pass Kanak both of them, so my Makdiman, my which is not only chronologically out of order, but also in terms of the structure of what should come after and what should become before, it is out of order. So now we see the Malbim using his cognitive model to approach the text. And he differentiates between two kinds of order here. And he's specific about both of them. When examining the order of the text, there's many different kinds of orders that could be existent within the text. There's a order which the connection between the different parts is based on subject matter. And there are other orders. It could be in terms of um, relevance of um, topics. It could be because of, like he says over here, chronology. When the events took place. So he says, but from both perspectives over here, both from the perspective of chronology, there's a distortion in the order of the Agada. And in the perspective of contextual linkage, there's a distortion in the order. So the point over here is to ask a question about but for us there's also a very valuable takeaway message of the crucial um, application of the principle of let's examine the order and the introduction to the notion that there are actually many types of orders that we could, we could um, arrange a given amount of items within. You can arrange things you know, from a very practical perspective according to size, according to color, according to the year that were manufactured. There are many different orders that you could actually create and many different kinds of sequences. So the question is, what kind of sequence are you using? But from both perspectives, from, in other words, from our pre-existing model, this is important, Moshe, because when we actually finally see how the Maral, uh, the Malbim, sorry, explains the order, so you'll see that from, we've got two models of orders here. Well, either things are based on the contextual link or they're based on the chronological when they occurred. So obviously, the Balagoda wasn't working with any of those two models because then the order would be like we're saying, correct? So it's interesting. So there's obviously a third kind of order. But it just opens up our eyes to the multiple possibilities of how we can order things. There's not only one way of ordering Yes, I'm coming. Um, how would the Malbim learn um, learn Rashi that he holds a Mukdam Umukhar, the the Torah? Yeah. That there's no chronology. Is he is his premise is the Malbim's premise based on that we think that this is a seaport that this is a story and it well, is first of all you have to understand when Rashi says Ain Mukdam Torah, what does that mean? Clearly, the Torah is written chronologically. The Torah doesn't begin in the middle of Tvarim and then go to Barashas and then come back to Shmois and then do a bit of Vikra. The Torah is written in a very strict chronological order, correct? Barashas brought the Kim and Soshamayim Bizarit. The Torah doesn't begin on the seventh day, it begins on the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day. Then it discusses Brias Adon, then it discusses the Chet. The Torah is chronological. So if your premise, which it sounded like it was, that means there's no order, it's all random, 
So then, okay. So your problem is the word of Rashi. When Rashi is in Mukta Mukhtar, what does he mean? That the events that are recorded aren't happening one after the other. But you see, it's not correct because they are. The Torah is written in a chronological order. I don't understand. I thought the when we came down, I thought in Shmos there are things that one second. Later. There are a few exceptions to the rule. You always have to know the rule, and then you have to know the exception. The rule is the Torah is written chronologically. There are a few events which are written out of chronological order, and that's what Rashi means by meaning, even though the entire Torah is chronological, and even though everything is written sequentially, sometimes you'll come across an event which is placed out of order, and then we'll ask ourselves, well, how can it be? And we'll answer by saying, the chronological order is not fixed. There are certain exceptional circumstances where we can override it for a very good reason. But there has to be a reason. In other words, what it means is there's another Seder which trumps chronological Seder in occasions, on occasions. But of course, everyone agrees that there's an order. The question just is, generally the order is chronological. Exceptionally, under certain circumstances, the, chrono- the order changes to a different factor. So it also shows that even in the Seder Torah, there's different Sodorim operating. So you'd still call it chronological, even though there are parts where it isn't. Of course, right? Because that's the rule. You always look at the rule as the basis and the exceptions as the exceptions. So a Mukta Mulcha is the exception. If a Mukta Mulcha would be the rule, so then the entire Torah would be just randomly organized, and it's not. It's very tightly organized. Everything happens one after another. Occasionally there's, no, there's an aberration. You follow? Good. Okay, so next time you have to make sure that your premise is clear before you speak. I thought, but I don't understand. I still don't. If you have a general rule, then it's it's no longer. I still don't know what so you what, have to okay, categorize so tell me, it so as, tell me, so as tell being me. chronological. If okay, there's two certain points. One second. Are, you hold a mukta mukhabatari means what? That there's certain. Well, now I hold it like you. Okay. So I'm saying your, your previous, your Havamina was ridiculous. The reason why you had the Havamina is because you didn't think about the consequence. You just got the word in your head and you thought, oh, there's no order in the Torah. But you didn't think about the way the Torah is written. It's written very much in order, correct? So that's called episodic thinking. You don't think in terms of, you don't apply things to its context. You have a phrase in your head and you say, oh, okay, there's no order to the Torah. End of the story. No, you have to think, What? So in the Haggadah, if it comes out that this is the only thing, these these paragraphs, this first section is the only part that's out of order, then we say that there's also an exception and it was arranged chronologically. Where do you draw could, the line between could. an exception and what the general... When, the, when the majority is going in one direction and the minority is going in another, generally that's a good rule of thumb. Says the Malbim Vaita... Base. My timer did on Davdinen Baha Kishmul. Why do we paskin like Shmuel that we begin Haskil me avodim ayinu v'loy karav and we don't paskin like Rav? Ha lebami dinner kaimel on daloch karav neged Shmuel. From a lachik perspective, we rule in regards to dinim as opposed to isurim. 
sorry, we rule in regards to everything apart from dinim like Rav against Shmuel. So that Loch is like Rav. But Meyachru Divrei Shmuel is Divrei Rav. So how is it possible that Divrei Shmuel can override Divrei Rav? If you're going to tell me the reason why we're able to override the normal principle of Psak that you follow Rav above Shmuel is because of a Gemoyim Psachim where Rav Nachman, who is a later Amoira, said to Dori, his slave, that Rav Nachman asked Dori's Eved to gave him a marshal and he said when a slave is freed and the master gives him fills up his coffers with riches how should the slave respond and Dari replies and he says he should praise his master and upon that Rav Nachman says oh because you said that you've exempted us from saying the Manishtana now what the Pshat and the Gemara is I have no idea but the point is the Gemara goes on and says Uposach v'omar avadim ayinu Kishmuel but afterwards it says that Rav Nachman, once he'd heard that Doro, for whatever reason, which we don't understand, exempted him from the Manishtana, he began Avodi Mayinu. And he didn't begin with Avodi Zara. So you see that Rav Nachman, who is a Basra of Paskin's Akshmul, so maybe that's why we Paskin's Akshmul, says that, but Malubi, Malgufa, time a boy, that itself requires reasoning. My time of Rav Nachman, how could Rav Nachman Paskin's Akshmul? So if you say like the Poiskim say that Rav Nachman was paskening like both of them, so then we go back to our original Kasha. In Ois Aleph, because if he's taka paskening like both, so then our old Kasha comes out and why did he put it into the correct chronological and contextual order? Says, I also haven't been able to grasp how the Poiskim can say that we pass like both Rav and Shmuel. How do you pass like both of them? The Rav and Shmuel come to explain the mission when it says you have to begin the Haggadah with Knus. And Rav says, what does it mean that you have to begin the Haggadah with Knus, it means Therefore, even though we passing like both of them, the Machlaikas was how do you begin? And if we begin with Shmuel, so then we're not passing like both of them. We're passing like Shmuel. And therefore, they won't serve as beginning with Knus, according to Rav. Because that's good for what the Machlaikas is about. Because according to Rav, we're not beginning with the Gnus that he refers to as being the Gnus, and therefore we don't pass in our Mishnah, and that's extreme problematic. So therefore I have no clue what the Poiskim are talking about when they say we pass in both Rav and both Shmuel and Gav. This incorporates the first Kasha and sort of builds on it about the mutual exclusivity in Rav and Shmuel, right? Correct. Correct. Excellent. Gimel. It has been explained clearly what Rav holds when he says that the Maschil B'Gnus is Oivdevazara. Do we delete everything in Agada until Mitchila Oivdevazara and we continue from there? In other words, we, st- we, we take out the, 
the Maisebri Abloza when they were Subin in Bnei Brak. We take out Abloza bin Azariah of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We take out Baruch HaMokum Baruch Hu. We take out the four sons. And then we take out Yochul or Mirosh And then we begin that Gada. It's not clear if that's what he holds. Or perhaps they, all these um, paragraphs find their other place within Agoda. So where would their honorable place be? It's hard to believe that Rav just exa- totally um, deleted all these these paragraphs. And he um, shortened that God to such a degree. And it's actually not clear the opinion of Shmuel either. The Omar Avadim Ayinu, that says Avadim Ayinu, in the Diday Lo Nema Mamet Chilo Oved Avodazara Klal. Does he include Oved Avodazara? Oy Nema Chazeh Benusach Sein Benusach Chetenu Polygraphs Ein Haskeboy. Or do you, does he hold that you do say it, but you just shouldn't begin with it? So in other words, a very interesting. Um, Cognitive mechanism that the Malbim is doing over here, which is another another um, skill in learning, is that he took the Machlokes in the Gemara, and then he tried to see how it substitutes back into the words of the Haggadah. So Rav and Shmuel leave a lot unsaid. They don't really go and then work out thoroughly how their opinions flow throughout the Haggadah. They just state the Machlokes. So therefore the Malbim is a little bit bothered as to, well, you know, they both had Agada, so what was each one's Nusach? Correct? And that remains a mystery. Did you say that in the first paragraph that Shmuel holds that you, would, you don't say because uh, then we have no problem with the, with the order? You know, you know what was in the first paragraph? Well, in the first paragraph... Let's see what he said. Did he say Shmuel doesn't say it? Or did he say that Shmuel doesn't begin with it? Well, he said he doesn't, say, he doesn't say it, so, that, so therefore we, he has no problem with the order. Because he only has Avodim Hayinu, and he doesn't have Avodazara. There's no problem with Avodim Hayinu. Yes, you're right. No you're right, you're right, you're right. So in the first question, he, he took it as a given that Shmuel would delete the paragraph completely. And over here he raises it, it could still be a Sophic. Excellent. Dalit. Says the Malbim in question Dalad has Cholas Amayim. I mean, Avodim Ayinu Ad Vafilu Kulanu Chachomim Mayuto Legamre. If you actually look at what the Maimer says, the paragraph of Avodim Ayinu until it gets to Vafilu Kulanu Chachomim is actually completely superfluous. Why? Ki Asipra Avodim Ayinu Habalkan BeKetzora Haloyhu Mevua Mefurat BeYoseh BePrate Protos LaHalim BePashes BeKurim FeYed Mitzrayim. The whole notion of them going into slavery is made explicit in graphic detail later on when we explain all the psukim which we said were in the parish of Bikurim that describe the event of the Jews' descent into Mitzrayim and what they suffered there. And there you go into graphic detail about all the, um, first of all, the build-up the amount of people that entered into Israel, the kind of ways in which they were, were avodim, the suffering that they contained. The, you've got everything there spelled out. So you know avodim ayinu Mitzrayim in far greater detail with far greater descriptive value in a later paragraph. So why do you need a chair? You're going to get there, it's going to be described. 
So what's Bichlal is Avadim Ayinu coming to do? He's saying that the stuff after is all superfluous until you hit the... No, the, this paragraph is superfluous because we deal with it in such a depth later on that there's no point in saying it in a very summarized fashion to begin with. What we mentioned here just as a hint it's explained with such a big additional power there. What's it doing here? What is it adding to? What is it giving us? The description of Yabi Shleim al Rav. It's all well and good according to Rav. To Amar, my Gnus mitchila oiv de avoidazar. If you go in like Rav, that he says, what's Gnus? It means oiv de avoidazar. So therefore, according to Rav, if you say that he, he just deletes this entire section of that Goda, so then great, because you see, Avadim Ayinu, who perpashes Bikurim. Then you'd have this whole description of Avadim later on in his Agada. We had Mitzrayim, Avol the Shmuel, but according to Shmuel, the Koama the Maskel begins to avoid Mayinu. Koshe, it's very difficult. Mayinu nasipra akotzer kan. What is this brief discussion of here? Imachazi yisape barichus bepratus. If later we can discuss it in detail. Vimishum has chala begins to polig al Rav the Koama mitchiloiv the Vodzara el avoid Mayinu. And if you say it's because you have to begin with Gnus, because he argues with Rav. So then begin with Parashat Bikurim. So begin there and discuss it in detail. And then we'll get the Gnus in its full, full-blown colors. So maybe that's what the Mishnah means when it says It means use those psukim to explain the Gnus. Don't begin with in the middle of the Pasuk. Go from the beginning of Arami Ovidavid. And then the latter part of the Pasuk will reveal the former part. Just a small aside, we mentioned that the the movement of Klai Yisrael from Abdus to Chayres or Avram Avinu from Avodah Zarah to being a Mamin was an act of creation. There were two forces opposing that creation. The first force opposing was Lavan and the second force opposing was Paroi. And in a way, Lavan was a more fundamental opposition because Lavan, Ayakov Avinu was the... Um, the ultimate refinement of the Av of Kalad Yisrael, the prototype, as it were. So Yaakov Avinu was the, the end point of Avram Zavinu's beginning, in terms of the Avis. In other words, the Avis was, as we said, the inception of Kalad Yisrael. They built Kalad Yisrael from nothingness to somethingness, from Ovedah Avodah to Ma'aminim. The Koyach Keneged, the opposing force was Lavan. When it says, he intended to uproot everything, what means is he intended to get rid of Yaakov. And Yaakov was the everything. And he wanted to be Mavatzalit. Parai didn't want to be Mavatzalit in the same way. 
because Paro only wanted to destroy the men, not the women, the boys, not the girls. Paro didn't want the rulership of Klai Israel to be independent. He didn't want to destroy Klai Israel in terms of its existence as a people, but he wanted to be the controlling force of those people. So, Arami Ovid Avi is also a remez to the destructive force that prevented Klai Israel, so, sought to prevent Klai Israel, but didn't succeed. Um, when the Gemara, um, when the Haggadah goes on and says, um, which is a continuation of the Pasuk of the Piska Avodim Ayinu, is also Muyuta. Because that's exactly what the Baal God writes later on. That the God writes later on that a person, each individual, is obligated to see himself as if he went out of Mitzrayim. Now, the minute you say that, so then by implication it means that had we not been rescued, we'd still be there. And therefore, we also have the obligation to acknowledge that we were let out of Mitzrayim in a, in a causal sense. So, therefore, why does it need to be said here? And therefore, the only chidush in this first paragraph in the Agoda is really from Afilu Kulon Chachomim that it says, even though we are wise, we have to say the Sipriyat Mitzrayim. Everything else that's contained in the paragraph of Avodim Ayinu is explained later on. So, therefore, the two major components of this first paragraph are completely and totally unnecessary. They described in far greater detail later on what in the world are they doing here? What in the world? So the plot is thickening as time goes on, is it not? Continues the Malbim in question hey. What into now focusing on the last lines of Avadi Mayinu, what is the reason behind the commandment that says even though we are all wise, we have a mitzvah to discuss, it says Mitzrayim, what possible benefit is there to those who already know? You know, you know it. If I ask you, you can rattle it off. So why bother? What was Kulan Chachamim? What do they already know? The Sipir Tzitz Mitzrayim, they know the whole story, backwards and forwards. So why is this, ka- I don't understand his kasha. Why what? is it on saying that we're Chachamim? The, the, the end of the paragraph, beginning of Adem Ayinu, concludes and it says, even though we're all wise and we all know the story, backwards and forwards, because we know Kulatur Kula, there's still a mitzvah for us to go and tell it again. That's what the end of the paragraph says. Says the Malbim. What's that mitzvah about? I don't understand. Why, Why do they it? have to do it? Why it does should be it? only for the people that aren't. Correct. People who don't know it can be understood. Vav. Ma'ay v'afilu b'vav achibu. Why in the first paragraph does it say v'afilu kulon chachomim? What's the and? Because if you look at the paragraph, let's read it inside. It says as follows. We were avodim to Paroi in Mitzrayim. Good. from there with a strong hand and outstretched arm. Good. 
And if as I was saying, Mitzrayim had he not taken them out, we'd still be there in slavery. Now, stop, just as an aside, what does that mean? The Egyptian empire is long gone. It's long gone. What do you mean we'd have still been there? It can't mean literally they would still be there. So there's a couple of mahalchim with this. The, the Pashat Mahalach is that we would have been perpetually avoiding to Paroi, and we would be like the rest of the slaves of the Egyptian Empire. And when the Egyptian Empire collapsed, we would collapse with them. It would have been a, a moment, we would have been a forgotten people in history. Meaning, Havai would be Meshubadim to Paroi B'Mitzrayim, meaning that our nation would have never left the Shibut. And as a result, it wouldn't be out today. The Nitzib has a very interesting Mahalach, though. He says that the reason why there's political turmoil in the world and the reason why there's a change of rulerships is all acts of Ashkocha. In order to bring something about to somehow guide the Jewish people to their destiny. And any political shift, regardless of where it is, somehow contributes to the Jewish people meeting their destiny. Had there not been a Jewish people, the world would have created, maintained the status quo with no natural political shifts. And hence, quite literally, we would still be Mitzrayim, slaves to Pharaoh. It's an interesting thought. It's a very interesting perspective of history. That the entire world shifts to somehow facilitate the next step in our pathway towards Geula. Hashkocha. It's a little bit more yeah, hard to swallow because it's so far from our default perspective of political cause and effect. But the Nitzv says it, and it would be a nice lens to look at the world with. How can you see it that way if we were there, if we were still there? Then we were involved with it. Saying that had we not, had Akash not interfered, and we still would have been there, and therefore there wouldn't have been a nation of Israel, Therefore, Pyro would never have lost power. And the Egyptian Empire would still be ruling now as it was then. And we'd still be the slaves now as we were then. But he, but he can only say that because we were there. He couldn't say that about something happening in uh, the continent, a different continent at that point. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Kev. Does that clear up? I mean, it's, a, it's such an obvious statement to say, you know, if I hadn't been let out of, let out of prison, I'd still be in prison, right? I mean, that's that, that's seemingly what the. You um, mean uh, uh, new kasha? Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, what's what's the what's the what's what's the new chiddush that the the Tana is telling me? By the way, had you not been free, you'd still be slaved. Uh, oh, because I would have thought that I'd not been free, that I wouldn't be a slave. And it doesn't say being freed. It says, If Akkadosh hadn't taken you out. It doesn't say, had you not been freed. Meaning, if there wouldn't have been divine intervention, if Akkadosh would not have stepped in and overturned the natural order, so then you'd still be there. Like it says with Avram Avinu, it says, Right? 
So it means as follows, that both Avram Avinu's movement from non-reality to existence was through divine intervention. And both our movement from non-reality to existence was through divine intervention. So we're starting to put together the pieces that you've got this potential Klai Yisrael that would be absolutely destroyed, would it not be for Akash Bochu meddling in, as it were, and extracting us from there. But, but Avro, in terms of Yivan Hashem, there was divine intervention in terms of the fact that he was saved from Ur-Kastim, that, that there was a Leich Lecha, that he was, went into the furnace and came out unscathed, and that he was able to reproduce, because both him and his wife were barren. Yeah, but, but that was only after he had found Hashem. So he already came into existence. He wasn't, he wasn't in a nothing status yet. He was still in existence. He still believed in Hashem. Can you find Hashem if Hashem doesn't? So that's interesting. That's a good point. In other words, Avram Avinu began with his Oiris from himself. Even though Akash Bochu Ki'ilu made it, brought it fully into fruition. Still Akash Bochu, without Akash Bochu, Avram Avinu also would have died childless. So it's still, he, he brought it, but you're right. The first step, it wasn't Akash Bochu. Unlike, uh, we'll have to see. We'll see. Do the Jews do anything? Was anything they got the Jews out? Is there another distinction between Avram Avinu's movement? Whether there was divine intervention, but perhaps the divine intervention has a different kind of nature to the divine intervention with Klai Israel and Mitzrayim. Good. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so then, let's just go back into this paragraph to when you see what that extra vav is. Okay? So, first of all, it says, first part of the paragraph is, Hashem took us out. Had He not taken us out, we'd still be there. And, even if we're all, a filu kulon rachomim, What's the va'afilu? And even if we're all, what, 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 that means there's some type of conceptual connection to what became before. So there are three points in this paragraph. The first point is we were avodim. Shem took us out. Part one. Had he not taken us out, we'd and and had he not taken us out, we'd still be there. And we even if what do you mean and should say in other words what's the, what's the connection and and what and now and even though we are all wise we need to speak about it says Mr. Ryan, what do you mean and we are now so and it's a new point now even though we are all wise we still have to speak about it well, it's because there's a causal relationship, because had Hashem not taken us out, we would still be there, and even, and therefore even, to understand, it seems to be a causal connection, but there is no causal connection. Maybe just in order, slaves, freed, now we're telling about the freeing of the slavery? Uh, or now we're telling about the exiting? Uh, that could be in order, but it doesn't have to be a filu. It doesn't have the, to be the filu. The vet connects them more in a, just a, a time. So you don't need to. You don't need to do it. You don't. You can leave out the. You can leave out the vav. Um, continues the malbim in question. Um, vav. 
If you would have said that previously it was a commandment, then you could say, uh, then you could add in this vav. Meaning, if we said initially, you mechuyev to speak about Yisus Mitzrayim, anyone that doesn't know about it. feel you know about it, you also have to speak about it. So then we could understand why the vow was coming along. But this is the first time you're discussing it. My vafilu, what's the vav? Bevav. Afilu. It began with a feel and taken out the vav. And don't tell me that this is a weak tiktuk. makes the same deal when it says in regard to the Gemara Menachas, it uses the vav. Forget the details of what that is about. So he brings a raya from the Toysis, a proof from Toysis that you can, um, a vav is deeply significant, and therefore over here, what's the vav doing? Question number nine. Kvaris oiru rabim reblaz ben azaria uven zoyma demaskir nisim mitzrayim bechol leilois. According to Blas ben Azariah and Ben Zoyma, that you should mention Yitzhak Mizraim every night of the year, which we said means that you include the third paragraph of the Shema attached to the first two paragraphs because at the end of the third paragraph it remembers the man Tizkru. Uh, sorry. That Hashem took out Mizraim. So, why in the world do we put this here? In other words, if there's a chiyuv to speak about Yitzhak Mitzrayim every night, so why in the world is the Seder night Leal Pesach different from the rest of the year? That's what the, a lot of the Mephorshim ask on their blouse of Benaziah. And the answer they give is, during the rest of the year, you have to mention it. On the night of Pesach, you have to elaborate upon it. That is not sufficient. Because adding on is not considered the essential mitzvah, it's considered an addition to the mitzvah. Whereas the Baal God presents it as an absolute obligation, not as something which is an addition. When it says, in other words, to speak about it is a chiyuv. To increase about your speech about it, to elaborate even further, that's considered meshubach, that's considered praiseworthy. What's that word? I can't read it. Correct. The mitzvah itself is in its own right, and the ribu asipur is in its own right, and therefore the mitzvah is not the ribu asipur. It's not speaking about it a lot, and therefore we don't understand. Since there's a mitzvah to speak about, you see, Mitzrayim, every single night, what additional mitzvah is there on the night of the God of Imkem? And therefore there should be no distinction between Pesach night and the rest of the year. The only difference could be is that the Sipur on Pesach night is at a time when there's Matzah and Moro um, in front of you, but that seems to be the only difference. And therefore, to go over the Kasha, why in the world 
are we differentiating between Pesach night and the rest of the year? The rest of the year. This paragraph of Yochum Mirosh Chedesh, you would have thought that the Pesach night began on Rosh Chedesh, which is inserted just before Mitchil Oivdev Vodazara. What in the world is it doing there? It really shouldn't be there at all. Or where, what is it doing and why is it there? Oiz Tes, Mibnema. Why did the the Baal Goda give Ram Gamliel? The the Goda says that Ram Gamliel says if you don't say these three things, you're not yoitzi your your mitzvah of Sipiris Mitzrayim. Why is it put Achar Kama Ma'ales Toivus Vilifne Ma'amim B'Chol Dovedor? It's inserted between after Dayenu. Hey, it's not on our page. On our page, our page stops with Kamamalis Tovis. So it's immediately following this Kamamalis Tovis, and it's before the Fika Chayovim and Achnu. We were speaking about the Matzmar and Pesach. That's right. Okay, so why was that placed after Dayenu? The Fiyashkov Ashitkis, according to the superficial perspective, Ein Lecha, Ein Loi, Hemshech Shom. It doesn't really follow over there. Not for that which became before it, and not that which comes after it. For Emir like it's it's out in a limb. What's it doing there? It's got nothing to do with the Dayenu. It's got nothing to do with the Lefichoch. All of a sudden, Ram Gabriel bursts in and says, "By the way, if you don't say these three things, you're not going to see Mitzvah of Sipiris in Israel." Maze, maze, velamaze po. It would be more appropriate to put it before and after the Messiah because there the that paragraph ends off with the fact that there's a chiv to do the Yitzis Mitzrayim, the Sipri Yitzis Mitzrayim, when Matzim are in front of you. So there would be a great moment for Amgadah to come in and say, Ah, and if you don't mention this on Beisach night, you're not Yitzis. But why is he over there? So that's 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 deeply problematic. So do you see how the Malbim is ruthlessly going through every <laughs> paragraph and, like, and 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 not being afraid to ask the kashas? Often we we only ask kashas with trepidation because we're scared to. Um, rock the boat. <laughs> you know, we like things to be settled. But if you ask all these caches, then all of a sudden your your whatever understanding you have is 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 uprooted. So we 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 try to make things work. And you see that for true understanding, you actually have to try to stop things from working, because then you'll get to the deeper level of how they actually do work. And that's what he's doing over here. Says the Malbim Vaiter Ois Yud, but Gamliel. In the words of Rabbi Gamliel, Yeshlachkor. We can investigate. The das minayloy dechol shlo amar shoyishet v'maylo pesach lo yatzu dechavos. So where does he get it from? Where does he get it from? The fact that if you don't say these three things, you haven't fulfilled your obligation on Pesach. Pesach al shuma. When he says the Pesach, what is it coming for? Matz al shuma. What's matzah coming for? Moral al shuma. Ma'ayno chirchkein. Where does he get it from? He doesn't bring a raya. 
about the Pesach, and then we make a Hekesh to Matzah tomorrow, is the reply to the son that asked, what is this Avoida? So therefore, I know that you have to respond to him this way, but Rabbi Gamliel states it's a stipulation independent of any question. Where does he get that from? Uh, why does he then also decide that if you didn't say it, you're not fulfilling your obligation? The whole story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim we learn the chiv of Sipur Yitzhak the reason why that God is called Hagoda. why isn't it called a Sipur? We say Hagoda Shapesach we don't say Sipur Shapesach because it comes from the verse the verse says, "Vihigadeto levincha loshna gada." So that's the chiv of saying out that gada. Can you tell us about Tosis again, please? Yeah. So Tosis brings that the proof of Rabbi Gamliel, where Rabbi Gamliel gets to say these three things, is from a verse. The verse is a reply to the question. The question which was asked in the Chumash was, if your children say to you, what should you say back to them? So it says, you should say back to them, it's a Korban Pesach to Hashem. That's what you should say back to them. So says Tosis, since it says, you should say all about the Pesach. So Ram Gamliel derives that you have to speak about the Pesach on the Seder night. The Korban Pesach. And since there's a Hekesh between Matzah and Moro to Pesach, you also have to say something about the Matzah, say something about the Moro, and that's what Ram Gamliel says. If you don't say these three things, you're not Yoitzi because we have the Pesach of Amartim. Says Malvin, what are you talking about? That's not where the Chiv of speaking on the night of Pesach comes from. It doesn't come from that Pesach of Amartim, Zivach Pesach. That's when you ask this question, this is how you should reply. But we don't know from there that you've got stum, a need to say it when there's no question being asked. On the contrary, the Chiv of our God it comes from a different Pesach completely. What's that Pesach? Go to the top of your page and it says, Ve'igadetelevincho, Hanemar stum, Behechlet, Bli, it says, which is said, Stam, without any introductory question. It's a stipulated law that you should speak even though no one's asking you questions. And there it doesn't elaborate that you have to say Pesach or Matzomor at all. And therefore, high in the world, does Ram Gamla get it? I reject Toysus' reasoning. Which sentence is a reply to? So it's not clear. Pashtas is the reply to the Ben Arasha because it says, Ma Voida Zeis Lochem. That's not clear. clear. It could be it's a reply to the Tam. Um, yeah. Pashtas to the Rasha. Okay. Continues the Malbim. But 
But the psukim which deal with the answers to the questions, when you say to your children, which goes on what it says before, when your son will ask you tomorrow, when you ask you what are these things, and similarly when it says that you should say that with a, a, a powerful hand, there's, a, there's also a, previously there's a and your son will ask you. It goes back to what it says before. When your children will say to you, meaning they ask you a question. Therefore, from those, since their response to a question being asked, you cannot derive an absolute law to say about Yisus Mizraim. Other than the first pasuk that we mentioned at the top of this paragraph, which is and if so, and therefore we get back to square, square one. In regard to say these three things, from where do we see that there's a stipulated law that we should do this from the positive of That's just an answer to a question. Good? Yes? Void! Now aren't you, aren't you loving treating that God as if it's a real text? Like treating it as a Gemara, treating it as a Mishnah, which it is, a Brysa. As opposed to treating it as a, a nice thing you do when the family gets together and plays Sach nice. It's like it's a social thing. <laughs> With Kneidlach. With Cannot forget. Kneidlach and the chicken soup. And the Kharosis. And the Kharosis. And the Kharain. It's amazing. It's amazing how powerful you see how the different components and something that we have to dwell on, the different components of the Seder night what an incredibly powerful impact it leaves on Klal Yisrael. Think about it. The Seder night is something which is celebrated. It's, it's, with the Jewish affiliation, it's almost the last thing to go. Now imagine if over 2,000 years ago I'd like to des- design a yearly event that would capture the essence of my nation. Um, the kind of difficulty that I would need to how I have to think ahead thousands of years as time progresses and geographical locations changes I'm going to formulate a system that's going to become part and parcel of people's annual fabric it's astonishing how effective it is and you see what the Pesach Seder does is it draws on such a wide array of experiential components that it's no it's no it's no it's like it's no wonder that it's stayed around for so long. So we focusing on the let's say the informational seemingly we'll see what it is shortly. But the the factual, the the instructional, pedagogical element of the Seder, but it's true, it's actually interwoven with a whole lot of other things. There's the curiosity that you arouse through changing your meal format, through your position. You put your body into it, you sit in a different way. You actually taste on your tongue the ideas you're discussing. So when you speak about the bitterness of, 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 of the slavery, you experience the bitterness of the moral. You experience 
from a visual, the thinness of the matzah, and a taste sensation of you eat the quickness with which they left Mitzrayim. So you actually ingest the idea. You act it out. You move it. You complement it with wine, which creates a different emotional state. So you work on the physical. You work on the emotional. You work on the intellectual. And you're doing it in a context where the point of transmission is reassured through the generational link of grandfather, father, son, all being present at the same time, all relating what they experienced when they were at their, the grandfather, at his grandfather's Seder. And you have this incredible synergy of all these factors fusing together to create a powerful strengthening of the link in the Jewish chain. It's just it's beyond belief, the genius of the design of every aspect of the Seder night. It's awesome. It's phenomenal. It's breathtaking. Says Amalwi. And if it's true that Rabbi Gamliel learns where Toysus says it is, it would be enough to say the Pesach that we eat, the Matzah that we eat, the Mar that we eat. My Medayek Belishne Zeze. Why does he have to say Matzah Zu? Why do you have to like demonstrate it, lift it up, make it part of our visual senses? And furthermore, if it's coming from that pasuk, it only says Pesach. I what about Matzah Mar? Imagine because of the choices Mishum the Iskashi the Pesach he shnur the Chikal on his deity. And to say that it's because of this Hekesh, he says that's a very pushed answer according to the poverty of my mind. Says the Malbim. Come the Fizir b'zman azed ain Pesach ain choiv come the Amiras Matzuzu. So furthermore, since we don't have a Korban Pesach in our time, so if the source of the drasha disappears, so maybe the others should disappear with it. So there'll be no Matzuzu Marozem. Given the Ika choivos and Merak Mishum the Iskashi the Pesach, since the Chiyuv is coming because they were connected to Pesach and if the root is not there so how can the, how can the branches be there and therefore Tosis' words literally are exhausting according to the narrowness of my diet, meaning I don't get what they say first 11 Yud Aleph 11th Kasha hmm just keep on going. Ma ra masadar agada likboya mokum the mamer bechol dor vedor achre mamer agamliel. So after Am Gamliel, we've got on our text. It says bechol dor vedor chayv agamliel. It says that's makidu who yotzam mitzrayim. Every generation we have to look up upon ourselves as if we left mitzrayim. Why was it put after Am Gamliel? Who are your oisa? Who who oisa inyan? That's exactly what's in Havad Avinu. So now he's asking, really, the question he asked previously um, in in Ois, uh, was it Zion? Uh, uh, in Ois, in Ois Dalit. He's asking the question he asked in Ois Dalit from the other way around. In Ois Dalad, he asked the question, is why do you need a Vodimayinu? You've got Bechol Dovador. Now he's asking, why, why do I need Bechol Dovador? I have a Vodimayinu. 
Yes, whichever way you look at it. If you maintain this, then there's a problem. If you, which it depends what you're compromising on. If you take out a volume, if you take out, if you look from the perspective that bechol dovedor is kavua, so why do you need a volume ayinu? If you look at the fact that a volume ayinu is kavua, so why do you need bechol dovedor? Um, Sorry. Again, there's got no connection between Rabbi Gamliel and And why did he put Rabbi Gamliel before Hello means it's something to think about. There's no connection. It would be better to say that and then you speak about the Matzamar and Pesach. Kusha Gadoyla, you'd base. That the Mechabrim, the other authors, arose. Uh, and also the rash bam, and he remained with the difficulty. He didn't find money in the coin. A good answer. Who who actually I skipped here previously. That's why this is I was getting confused. That's exactly the same thing as saying as to avoid my union. Had we not been let out, we'd still be there. So why do we say the same thing twice? And there's a massive space between them from the beginning of the God to the end of the God. As I cause above, if because of Yah says, it says, it brings a proof from the past, it says, Hashem did it for me, meaning for me personally, that cause of. So therefore we should have brought those psukim early on when we introduced the idea of Vadimayinu to complete the matter. And not to repeat them another time. And why did he leave off until the end of the God to bring the proof to what he began that God with him as a time? And if it ready, it should be located over here. It shouldn't have been mentioned in the volume of It should be weighted in its entirety to the stage of the Agada. Yud Gimel, getting close to the end. The penultimate kasha. Why do the Balagoda put Halal Amitri? Halal Amitri means the Halal, what we call Halal, um, immediately after Behold of is the last thing that we say. For sure, there's a good reason for it. And you dialed the 14th question and final question is. Why is the safer called Agada? Haloi Ba Zohar Tomid Poal Sipur. It's always called a Sipur. Kosa Petroy Lamant Saper Bozne Bincha. The verb used is always as a Sipur. Vishinu Bechazal 
Mitzvah, Bechazal Mitzvah, Lele Saper, Vayim Saperim Kolosalayla, Vayit Ke'edit. So there's always the verb used in relation to this mitzvah is Sipur. Why do we call it Haggadah? Vim Kenzi Hashem Hanal is a Sipur. It should be called Sipur, Man Yishtano L'Shem Haggadah. And therefore, why was it changed to the Shem Haggadah? Elu Hinei Arba Asrei Shalos. Shalos Ve'aores. These are 14 Shalos and Aores. Teshemen Besed Haggadah. Nine of them are in regard to the Seder Agada. Four are devoted to understanding the body of the paragraphs. And one in regard to the name. And all of them will disappear when I give you my Mahalach. So you see also his incredible ability to do number and label. Categorization. There's 14 questions, 9 of this, 3 of this, 4 of this, 1 is this. Do, do you feel the strength of his Sidr Machshava? I'm not quite sure how far you guys got, if you got to this point or not. <laughs> so it could be quite exciting for to see what the answer that destroys these kashas is all about. Is the answer throughout the whole world, or does it give a... The answer is we need to, we need to copy some more pages. Um, the answer is so we need to do the next page. The answer is he gives it he gives the answer the whole theory of how the whole Agada works before the Agada, and then as he goes through the Agada, he deals with more detailed questions in each and every paragraph. And the answers are the, the four questions on the actual Mamarim. He answers that, or did he only answer that? In answers the, everything. He answers all fourteen questions now in the next few paragraphs. He tells us which one is it.